Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Hey, good morning. Wow, I'm loud. (laughs) Happy New Year! Uh, We're kicking off the new year and this month with a series called Thrive, Five Ways to Flourish. And this was actually the result of a brainstorming session. And uh, we had many ideas of things to preach on. And we kind of just threw them all together because we saw the connection between um, these different ideas. And that, boy, if if we could start off the year as Christians doing these uh, uh, five things, because there's five Sundays in, in January, uh, we'll start off the year strong. <clears throat> and so today, I'm going to be talking about uh, uh, evaluating where you are. Where are you? Because your starting point determines your route, and no matter what journey you're taking. And we're going to begin by telling a little story. My uncle um, was actually, uh, and still is, uh, a very, very uh, talented glass blower. Actually, my great uncle um, back in the uh, 40s and 50s and um, 60s made um, neon signs. And neon signs are actually glass tubes, and then they fill them with gas, and that's how they all work. And so my uncle um, apprenticed under him uh, learning how to make neon glass, but then he got really into it, and he became a glass artist and was a renowned glass artist around the country, possibly even the world, to the point where, at a certain uh, time, he was so good that Dow Chemical and, and Midland hired him to make precise uh, instruments for their laboratory. And so that's what he's done, uh, and he's now retired. But for many, many years, he was so good at glass blowing that he would uh, fashion unique uh, instruments for the Dow Chemical Laboratories. Uh, but uh, my mom and some of us went to see him make some artwork earlier uh, in his career. And I don't know if you've ever seen a glass blower. How many have ever actually been there and witnessed this? So they're spinning this the molten hunk of glass on the end of this long rod that they're blowing into. <clears throat> but they have to keep it moving, otherwise it'll droop down and fall. And And as my uncle was turning it, and they add different colors, and they shape it, and they form it in different ways. Well, partway through, all of a sudden, he kind of stopped, flicked his wrist, and the glass bulb at the end of the pipe fell off, instantly cooled enough so that when it hit the floor, it shattered into a thousand pieces. And us who were watching were like, oh no. And he just looked and smiled and said, I made a mistake. Sometimes you just have to pick up the pieces and start over. And that's exactly what he did, because they just pick up the pieces, throw it back into the furnace, the furnace melts the glass back down, and he started over and ended up creating something beautiful. Um, And sometimes that's what life is, and I think 2020... (laughs) Let's just start over. (laughs) So where are you? Your starting point determines your course. I'm going to read a story. Um, lately, I've been picking verses that I've never preached on before. So I might make it like a, 
a goal. <laughs> preach on verses I've never preached on. But this is a story, it's, it's, uh, it's fairly well known, but it's, it's again not generally one that uh, used for a sermon. But um, Genesis 16, 1 through 13, um, this is concerning Abram and Sarah prior to her conceiving their son, which of course, a uh, big part of the story, it took many, many years for them to conceive. Isaac, the promised one, through whom all uh, Jews, all Hebrews are descendants, and through whom the Messiah came. But this is before that happened. Now let's read it, and then we'll talk about it. Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children, so go sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram said, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relationships with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Then Sarah said to Abraham, this is all your fault. She loved the marriage relationship there. (laughs) I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant. She treats me with with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong you or me. And Abraham replied, hey, she's your servant. Deal with her as you see fit. So Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. And the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? Where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son and you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So you know what? This was a terrible situation. In my estimation, everybody made a mistake. All right. There's like very, very few redeeming qualities in this story. And when we read it, we can be offended at the idea that uh, it would even happen. But in the culture of that day, a polygamy was normal. And it was also normal. Uh, That's how they did surrogate parenting. Uh, They didn't use test tubes. Uh, They used regular sexual relationships. Uh, If a a woman could not bear children, and bearing children was extremely important uh, for the continuation of a family line. And so it was fairly common in their culture uh, to do this. Although uh, Abraham, other than Hagar, uh, was faithful to Sarah throughout his life, 
But in this situation, he made this exemption, and Sarah had this idea, but it ended up bad for everybody. And a lot of times we think of Hagar and Ishmael as the bad guys in the story, but they weren't. Hagar didn't, you know, want this when she was a little girl. She didn't look forward to the day when she was forced to marry someone twice her age. Right? I'm sure that wasn't her ideal. And then to be uh, uh, experienced the tension and the conflict between her and Sarah to the point where it got so bad, she ran away. But the redeeming part of the story is that God in the story heard Hagar's cries. And God intervened by sending his angel. Come on, how many want an angel to appear? No, you don't. Because they only appear when it's really bad. <laughs> okay. And then when they do appear, usually you're terrified. Right? So, but the idea of having an angel appear, that's a good idea, right? Well, here Hagar, although she was going through horrendous life situations, something she, she, she didn't want, she was forced into. God shows up physically, literally, in the form of an angel and speaks to her. And it changes her whole life. And he asks her, where have you come from and where are you going? You know, in times of crisis, when a life seems to be falling apart, when, when everything's shattering, like that glass bulb shattered when it hit the floor, This is the word of the Lord. And I believe as the year starts off, it's a good thing for you and I to to hear this from the Lord for ourselves. Where are you coming from and where are you going? We must get our bearings in order to hear from the Lord the direction he wants us to go. Right? God wants you to go somewhere this year. God has a destiny for you. Are you listening to me? Each and every one of you, us as a church, Christians as a people, the church uh, with capital C in 2021, but you individually, God has a destination. He has the next stop on your journey. God knows where he wants you to go but you need to know where you want to, he wants you to go. You need to evaluate where you are, uh, look at where you're coming from, and then determine the direction that God wants you to go. For Hagar, it was to go back and submit. Probably not something she was really keen to do. Right? She was running away. It was terrible. And later in the story, after Ishmael is born, and when Isaac finally comes along, they end up do leaving. Uh, uh, and her son at that point was old enough and, and they end up becoming a separate people group. Uh, all Arabs look to Ishmael as their patriarch. And so Ishmael is to the Arab uh, race as Isaac is to the Jewish race. Which blows me away that all of these nations and people groups that continue to this day to be headlines in the news all come from this one guy named Abram, right? Like God can use anyone to influence the world. And there's a, there's, a, there's a calling on your life as well. 
But you need to hear from God. You need to hear from his messenger, whether he sends an angel or it's a Bible verse or something God plants in your heart. God has something for you uh, personally this year. She learned a valuable lesson in that interchange. She was an Egyptian. We don't even know if she had a relationship with the living God. But after this experience, she called God by a different name, it says. And so that means she came to know God in a new way. She learned that God hears and God sees. And that kept her going, I believe, for the rest of her life. All right, the same question is asked in an earlier place in Scripture when God is addressing Adam and Eve after they had sinned and they were hiding. And God comes down to the garden. Uh, we've talked about this many times. Says, the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? Well, listen, God knew the answer to that, right? It wasn't like God couldn't find Adam. The question was to cause Adam to evaluate himself and to realize that he had moved away from God. This is the very first question in all of Scripture. And if you read through Scripture, you'll find that God often asks questions, especially Jesus. Jesus most often would answer a question with a question. Why? Because questions are meant to cause you to think, to go deeper. All right? And so God asks this question, and it's often the question God is asking you and I. Where are you? What's going on? God knows exactly where we're at, physically, spiritually, in every way. But we don't. And we don't know where we, how we've gotten there, let alone where we're going often in life. How many can say amen to that? Right? You just get so stuck in the routine. And life becomes just, I just got to get through this day. I got to get up. I got to get to work. I got to get these things done. I got to get home. I got to get some food on the table. You know, and I got to get to bed. And so I, tomorrow I can do the same thing. All right? But wait, let's take a stop and ask, where am I? Where have I come from? And where is, where is my destination? All right? And the, the beginning of the year is a great time, a great time to evaluate that. And ask God, Lord, where do you want me to be headed? And we're going to review real quickly the Soul Search acronym, this metric that we introduced a few months ago on how to evaluate our lives, and also just to give us a wording or a framework that we can communicate it with one another. I strongly, strongly encourage you to find someone, to find a couple of people uh, a small group, if you're in a community group, that's a great way to establish a relationship. But you need to find one or two individuals that you can talk to really, really um, uh, 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 vulnerably and transparently as to where you are in these four areas. Uh, someone that you can share your burdens with. That's true fellowship, all right? Fellowship's great when you come to church, you bump fists, that's what we do nowadays. <laughs> you know, and I love this, but fellowship has to go beyond that where you bear one another's burdens. And this just gives us a framework for how to do that. And uh, the, the S stands for Scripture. Where are you in your relationship with Scripture? Where are you coming from and where are you going in your relationship with with God's word. And many people start off the year re, uh, with a, a, a new reading plan. And, you know, if you've got a phone, you have access to uh, hundreds of different uh, translations of the Bible, the U 
version uh, Bible app is fantastic. There's other versions. Maybe you've got an old paper version, this uh, ancient technology. If you don't, there's some in the foyer. We give them away. <clears throat> Find a way. Um, I saw someone post that they're doing a, a Bible slam challenge where they uh, are reading the whole Bible in 30 days, and they read through Genesis in two days. And I was like, yes, because I did that once. 30 days, read through the whole Bible. It's difficult, but you can do it. Spread it out over two or three months is actually not even that difficult. But determines a way that you have a route that you're going to take to deepen your relationship with God's Word. Because God's Word is so powerful. It says in God's Word, in Second uh, Timothy Uh, It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's just a great verse that tells us the purpose of God's written word. And the word scripture there is reference to God's written word. What it says is that every problem in our life is addressed somewhere in this word, if you know how to find it, right? Everything, it's profitable, doctrine, reproof, correction. You need correction, you need course correction. God can get you that information in this, in this book, but you need to learn how to do that. You need to have the tools and the knowledge to know where to look. In addition, anything that we lack, we can gain access to because God's Word it has all that we need to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right? It doesn't tell us how to build a car, right? Because that's not the good work that God wants us, you know, that, that, that this book was written for. But it does tell us how to have a right attitude uh, while we're doing that, right? Or, or how to respond in the correct way when the car doesn't work. <laughs> and and how to communicate with others, how to how to have a relationship with God and with others and with ourselves, how to have freedom from sin. Every area that you need to do what God's called you to do, the instruction is right there. But you need to learn how to unpack that. Okay, you need to have a route and a way to advance in your relationship with Scripture. So at the beginning of the year, I encourage you to do that. Do you know the basics? And it surprises me how many Christians, after maybe years in church, you know, you can come and listen to the, uh, a sermon like this, but I've spent 40 plus years learning scripture. And so I can talk about any part of the Bible, you just open up, I can talk about it. Why? Because I know the basics. I know who wrote every book and who it was written to and the general time period. Do you know the form of literature it is and how that affects how you interpret it and apply it to your life? Because there's, there's prophetic writings, there's historical writings, there's poetry, there's narratives, there's letters. All of those things affect how you read it and how you understand it. Have you ever read the whole book? Come on, let's just be honest. Have you ever read the whole Bible? And if you haven't, do so. Make it your goal. Take a whole year. It actually is easy in a whole year. Take two years. I don't care. Take five years. Just do it. (laughs) All right. I did find that when I read through it quickly, without slowing down, it gave me a big picture understanding that I had never seen before. And so that was really helpful. And so when, you know, it's, it's fine. Find an easy to read translation and, and just, it just cruise through it. Do you know the order of the books and why they're arranged that way? 
Do you know how to understand it, uh, uh, understand what is written in its historical context? So each one of those books were written for a particular people at a particular time that were facing particular obstacles. And you need to understand what it meant in that time, in that, in that context, in order to understand how to apply it today in our context. And if you don't, you will apply it wrong. And that's what most of what you hear preached or taught on from the Bible in most media is done because in an incorrect way because they don't know the original context and how to translate it to how it applies today. Right? It applies today. Every word in this book applies today. But you need to know how to make that connection. So what's your plan for growth in Scripture in 2021? <clears throat> and what are ways that you can become more biblical-based, more biblically consistent in your life? In this year, second uh, letter in the soul acronym is your relationship with others. All right, so important. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I really thought that the whole world facing a common enemy. I thought this is this is something we've never had before. It's like it's like that uh, <clears throat> that movie with uh, with the black uh, actor, black American, what's his name? Um, uh, Independence Day with. Will Smith, right? You know, the whole world, they figure out we can communicate with Morse code. Right? And they take down these incredible aliens because the whole world got over their differences and worked together. Is that what's happened? No! You know, if aliens ever come, they just got to park out in space and wait till we kill ourselves. <laughs> and so this virus has come and just stirred up more division and highlighted the, the strife and the differences. And I'm disappointed by that because the Bible has called us, especially as Christians, we should be leading the charge. We should be peacemakers. Why? Because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. All right. In other words, as a child of God, you should be a peacemaker. Jesus is the prince of peace. And we're called to be his ambassadors. So our relationship with others, whether they differ in their opinions or lifestyle from us, doesn't matter. We are to bridge those differences in order to establish a relationship of love that gives us an opportunity to communicate truth. All right? So where are we in terms of our relationship with others? And this verse, I believe, kind of capsulates the ideal of Christian community. It says, if anyone is in Christ, if there's any consolation in Christ from Philippians chapter two, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded. This means get along with each other. Agree. Have this, um, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Take the low road, folks. Esteem others better than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, in other words, take care of what you have needs in your life, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, 
taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. That's what we celebrated in communion. And God uh, in Christ Jesus, you know, it's, the Bible says that Jesus, through Christ, all of creation was made. And, and everything is sustained by the word of his power. Jesus, when he was born, that was not the beginning of his existence. Jesus existed eternally as God in heaven as part of the Trinity. But he, in the incarnation, he took on human form. He, he, he humbled himself to the point that the creator became part of the creation, coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself even more, becoming obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, uh, every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, that every tongue could, uh, should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory uh, of God the Father. Listen, Jesus did not come to earth for himself. Did you know that? He came for what? For who? For you. And he, and he took it all the way to the cross, to, the, to death. And people say, well, it's not about me, it's about God. I'm like, sorry. Part of that's true, but it's not ultimately true, because God's about you. In other words, God was willing to leave heaven to reach you. What Jesus did, he did for you. Now, if you receive that, then that turns the course of your life, and then you are to live the rest of your life for him. Why? Because you're emulating him. You're doing what he did. You're becoming like Jesus. And in our relationships with one another, that's how we need to live. We need to die to ourselves in our expression of love and esteem for others. How far do you take it? As far as Jesus did. You humble yourself. You esteem others better than yourself. You see yourself as a servant to all. Why? Because it's only through that. That's Jesus' way. Jesus didn't come and lead an earthly rebellion. He came and submitted. Kind of like what the angel told Hagar to do. All right? And it was through that that God's destiny was established for him. In the same way, this is the character, the nature of God. This is the way we, we actually get victory in Christ's kingdom. In what relationships do you need to be more Christ-like? Evaluate that in your life. Sit down, maybe take a, a half an hour, an hour, and write down different relationships. How Christ-like are you? Are you influencing them? towards Christ, or are they influencing you more away from the Lord? And then how can you change that? Are there relationships where you need to enforce more healthy boundaries? You know what? Sometimes the loving thing to do is to say, no, I don't do that anymore. I'm not going there. I'm not going to support that. Uh, I, I need to make a stand. Sometimes that's the loving thing to do. That's the humble thing to do. Are there relationships where obstacles need to be removed? Sometimes you're not to build a bigger barrier. You're to tear down a wall and say, I'm going to make myself more vulnerable to this person. I'm going to open up. I'm going to be more willing to be uh, real 
in their life, or I'm going to allow them to be real in my life. Is there a relationship? Listen, I'm not, there's, that's a rhetorical question. There is relationships. <laughs> there are relationships in each one of our lives where we need to do these things. Why? To be Christ-like, all right? To get where God wants us to be by the end of this year. Let's make some specific change, changes. Prayerfully ask God to lead you where you need to be in your relationships with others, specifically um, by the end of this year, so that your life looks more like his. Your upward, uh, your relationship with God. And again, in Philippians, it says, not that I, this is Paul sharing his heart, and I believe it is really the deepest heart cry, because remember, Paul was in prison facing a death uh, sentence. At any moment, the guard could walk down the, the corridor and unlock his door and take him to be beheaded, and he knew that. And so he's expressing his deepest heartfelt uh, uh, attitudes. He says, not that I have already attained... Here's Paul after starting countless churches and writing much of the New Testament. He says, I'm not even there yet, folks. Um, Or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold or grasp that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, like 2020, come on, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us, if you think you're mature, have this same mindset. And if in anything you think otherwise, in other words, if you don't have the same idea that you're going to abandon everything in your pursuit of the upward call of God in Christ, if you think that way in any area of your life, God will get to you. God will reveal Change your attitude. That's what he's saying. That's what real maturity is, is this perseverance in the upward call of God that you, that, you're, that you see in every aspect of life. You want to further your experience with him. So Paul acknowledges where he's coming from and his willingness to leave behind the past and reach forward in his relationship with God. And I would just encourage you as this year begins to evaluate where you're at in your relationship with God and and, and, and how can you pick up the pieces and maybe start over again because our Father is an amazing creator and he can take those broken pieces of your life and create something beautiful out of them just like my uncle <laughs> as a glass blower could. You know, we grow in, life, in our relationship with God through prayer, through hearing God's voice, through fasting, through worship. And I really hope that... Uh, you take seriously this 21 days of prayer and fasting. One thing that's a, um, a special blessing is that if we do this all together, then we're doing it as a, as a body and we gain momentum together. And so when we're reading the same verse, thinking about the same thing, there is a spiritual unity that can be formed uh, through that. And so I, I really encourage you to do that for the next three weeks because it'll start off your year great and hopefully create a pattern that you can carry throughout the year. Finally, the L stands for life, which is like everything else. Okay, our overall evaluation of of life, uh, work, health, emotions, habits, any other aspect uh, outside of scripture, uh, dealing with relationships with others, dealing with relationship with our God. You know, what, what other things are affecting us? And asking, where am I in those other areas? Is there any part of my life that's distracting me from God or making me stuck. 
And you know what? Things can. It can be something like your diet, you know, or uh, a bad habit. You're, you're spending too much time in front of the uh, internet or, or whatever. You know, it's just the easy defaults that you may need to say, wait a minute, I need to get this in order. What in your life uh, causes you to be drawn closer to him, to be more like him? Maybe there's things for me, it's if I can get out in the beauty of nature, it ignites something in me. It makes me realize that God is an amazing creator and worthy of my time and my worship. And so I have to force myself, even especially when it's this cold, it's not even that cold yet. <laughs> Today it was beautiful driving in here with all the snow on the branches. Yeah, that's kind of a benefit. <clears throat> I'm going to be in Mexico in uh, next week, so I'll be seeing palm trees. <laughs> Unfortunately, where I'm going is not very pretty. <laughs> it's a border city, and it's very poor. But there are palm trees. Okay, anyway. Um, how can we thrive at work? How can we thrive emotionally? How can we thrive spiritually? How can we better use our time? John, uh, Jesus said in John 10, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And the message translates this really well. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. Do you realize that is Jesus' intention for you? to have more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. So let's take a minute right now. Would you close your eyes if it helps you? And ask God, what destination do you want to set your spiritual GPS for, for 2021? Of course, the first thing it does is calculate where you are. So it can determine the route to get you where God wants you to go. So Father, I ask in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would communicate to each and every person here and each and every person listening and watching online, that they would hear your voice and that you would determine and reveal where we are spiritually, where we are emotionally, where we are in a relationship with others. And Lord, that you would reveal the destination. Maybe it's just a little further down the road. Maybe it's something grand and victorious for this year. I don't know. It's different for each one of us. But you know. Communicate that, Lord. And then help us day by day tune in to those instructions to follow you closely so that we can be where you want us to be by the end of this year. We just dedicate and commit this year into your hands in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.